Real people, real opinions, real talk radio. The multi award winning Niall Boylan Show. Classic hits. Uh, the bad news for publicans, the bad news for hotels, the bad news for those who are planning to get married with over 50 people, uh, the bad news for those who are planning to have parties in the house with more than 10 people. Uh, you know, We were promised these phase plans. They were accelerated slightly going back about a month and a half ago by Leo Varadkar. And we were told at the time, uh, when Leo made his great exit, um, that provided we didn't see a massive increase in, in cases, um, that the next phase would go ahead as planned, which, of course, everybody was preparing for, including the pub owners, the wet pub owners, of course, the ones that don't serve food. And they said at the time they did expect an increase. Of course they would, because more people are meeting each other. So it's something that we need to control. The whole idea of this from the very start, from what I was led to believe, was to flatten the curve so we don't put too much pressure on the hospitals. The hospitals are practically empty at the moment. When I say practically empty, they're not busy. Um, The government didn't care too much last year, for example, when we had 120 people a day on trolleys. But the point is, the hospitals aren't under a huge amount of pressure at the moment. The cases had gone up in one week by about 50 or so on the previous week. Nothing really to write home about to be expected when you have a lot of people suddenly started to interact over the last, I suppose, six weeks since the play, the fa- you know, these phases began. Thankfully, our debt rate is declining very low. One or two days we've had zero debt rate, which is great. Uh, and yet they decided in all their wisdom last night, after these pub owners had prepared to open, that they wouldn't actually open after all. Uh, Paul Moynihan is the incoming president of the Vintners Federation of Ireland, but he joins me on the line. Good afternoon to you, Paul. Uh, good afternoon, Niall. How are you? Very disappointing for your members, isn't it? Yeah, very disappointing for us all, is right, and our customers as well. They were looking forward to getting back to us, but um, yeah, we were as you, you just explained very well. We thought we were on the good track there to open on Monday. All the pubs have kind of we've made alterations to go by the guidelines that were kind of issued for the pubs that were opening as restaurants, more or less. We hadn't got exact guidelines what we needed to do for next Monday yet, which was that's what we sp- we spoke to Gogan's Pub yesterday, and they yeah. were basically saying they had to postpone their opening. Although we did speak to one other pub owner uh, who said he was opening anyway and he was going to serve pizzas and give them to people for free but give them a nine euro receipt and that was his little way around it which I'm sure is illegal uh, and hopefully maybe we'll get to talk to him again later on today about how he feels about it but I mean generally speaking pubs have been compliant the whole I kind of thought the best thing to do with this would be to open all the pubs and dilute the problem because if we consider it to be a problem where people are gathering together and we saw what happened in Dame Lane there two weeks ago and not the worst thing in the world by the way you know people having a good time but not socially distancing I mean the idea would be the more you open the less possibility you have of more people being in the same place Was that is that not logical? Yeah I think that what you, you said is very logical and it's kind of been been muted the last few days and the biggest problem going forward that, that the government has seen and the Nesset has seen is the, the, the issue of house parties. Mm-hmm. So like people are, are are congregating in uncontrolled environments as you could say that that, that they're they're in their own homes with crowds of people like so. Uh, we particularly young particularly young people, yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and, and that's what they're saying. That's where the curve is kind of going up slightly with younger people. So we would have felt, well, we definitely felt that, that opening up. And again, we pushed at the start that all pubs should be open and dilute that, that, that instead of trying to congregate people in, into restaurant-type pubs or uh, open them all and, and spread out around the country and we would have had a much better chance to see where we were at this stage. But now... So what, what percentage of pubs are gastro pubs or food pubs? What percentage are, are open at the moment? Well, I, I think I've seen in... 
In the Dublin area, I think it's around 40% or 45 open. And I think outside Dublin, it's less than that. So yeah. it's like maybe one in three is open. So in, Yeah, okay. So fast. an average of about 35% to 40, somewhere yeah. between 35. So in yeah. other words, you know, we're only servicing 35 to 40% of the population when it comes to having a good time and a few drinks. Uh, so if we open the rest of the pubs, which is what we had planned to do for Monday, even though there was no guidelines set out, um, you would help to alleviate the problem of too many people trying to get into those gastro pubs, uh, those food pubs at the moment where, you know, the nine euro meal is the, the cure for COVID-19. So, yeah, there's vast, yeah, there's vast tracts of areas in the country where there's no gastro pub service on anybody. So like I say, that's, that, that's the area that, that as, a, as a kind of a family run pubs that we were talking about, these kind of wet pubs. That's what we were kind of trying to, to look after like and, and alleviate the problem in that area. And, and, and don't forget, like we've spoken about this a, a lot of times, but rural isolation and, and isolation and there's going to be mental problems after this. I think publicans are, are under pressure with this. We're all set up and a lot of people are, are kind of on a downer today because of this and, and our customers all week, this week, every saying, geez, Paul, it'd be great to see you next week. We'll be in, you know what I mean? And then suddenly last night, the, 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 the whatever, the car yeah. has been pulled out from under us and we're back to square one for in three weeks and I don't know, Keeping us close for three weeks. I don't know how that's going. I, I know it was mentioned uh, in the news. I don't know whether yourselves said it or not, but I, I think it was actually yourselves that said it. If the government wants to do this, why don't we have prohibition? <laughs> and because, in other words, if you're suggesting that the problem is drinking in houses, why are you closing the pub? Surely that will alleviate the problem of people drinking in houses. At least it is, as you rightly said, a controlled environment. But I suppose the government's argued, argument is that a wet pub being different to a pub where people are sitting down eating a nine euro meal for 105 minutes, a wet pub is people standing, possibly walking in and out, in and out to the jack outside for a smoke it's a different environment and much di- more difficult to police because at least when people are sitting you've an op- opportunity to see how long they're there because of course you can't catch COVID-19 in 105 minutes it's only in the 106 minutes that you catch it uh, <laughs> sorry I'm being facetious there alright so the yeah, point is at least a waiter or waitress can monitor how long you're there under the government guidelines but in a wet pub they can't obviously do that I mean would that be a, would policing it be a problem? Well, don't forget, people in restaurants and gastro pubs have to go to the toilet as well and smoke and, and whatever you say. But but the guidelines going forward for pubs are very similar. We still had to have social distancing of a metre. Um, everybody had to be seated in the bar as far as I am concerned. The bar counter was kind of out of play unless was, we weren't sure about that, whether that, if we could get away with putting a screen across in front of the, band, the counter. So things were very difficult, different for us going forward. And it wasn't easy to try and deal with all this and set up our pubs in a, in a way that... That, that was acceptable and, and we have to be careful that we, we keep it Well, well I see McGowan's come up with a great didn't McGowan's come up with a great idea putting a phone on every table so you could yeah. call people under the table then call the barman which I thought was a great idea whether you've yeah. covered or not I think that's a great idea either way a very inventive yeah. way of doing things I, I wouldn't like to think that every pub would have to do that going forward and maybe there would be a huge expense involved in setting up that kind of phone system you know in your whole pub for every single table but I thought it was a good novel idea and I feel yeah. so disappointed. I'm assuming jobs will be lost because of this decision, because this is not just a one-week deferral. This is, ten, this is you know, to the 10th of August. Yeah, like we're closed down now since the middle of, of March now, so you think about it, the, the financial side of this is huge for everybody, like, and, and for our staff. And, and, and basically all our staff are nearly on, on standby to come back next Monday. They've mostly all done, we had to do kind of a training course on new procedures and stuff, but everybody was ready to go. I think everybody was on a... A bit of a, a lift. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and then suddenly uh, it, it's pulled out from under us. But um, but I, I think there'll have to be a serious stimulation or a stimulus package from the government for... for I, 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 I mean, from a business point of view, I mean, and obviously you, yourselves, yeah. 
are you not going to lobby the government to do a U-turn and change their mind on this decision? Because there seems to be very little science behind this decision. Because if we look at the cases from last week versus or the week on, the, the week previous, it's an extra 50 or so cases. The amount of young people is quite small when you consider that, I suppose, everybody is back out in the community meeting each other again. So, I mean, we normally make, make drastic decisions based on data and science. But they don't have the data and science to make this decision. They're basing this on a risk factor of what if. Yeah, and I suppose we can carry that forward to say that there has been no issues with with gastropubs working at the moment either. There's been no issues coming from the health point of view in that. So we would have been very confident that, that with the guidelines and with the way, and don't forget, publicans have dealt with the public for years and years. They know how to handle things and... We, it would have been difficult to start with, and there would have been a bit of a, a burst to start. Everybody would have been so happy to get out. But, but really, in the, in the medium term, we would have had to, to adhere to all guidelines. And I think the public going forward want that to happen as well. Like, and but are, are, are you, are you, you demanding? Well, as the president of the Vintners Federation of Ireland, yeah. or the incoming president, sorry, Paul, are you, are you demanding that maybe Michal Martin revisits this in the next coming days, or that Stephen Donnelly has you know a meeting with him to set up with him to give some sort of reassurance that guidelines uh, would be adhered to, that these people are in dire straits. These wet pub owners are in dire straits. They can't last another month. We've, we've spoken to everybody we can in the last two, three weeks. And we, we've are you proved... just giving in? Are you just throwing your hands up there? No, no, I'll tell you exactly. We've proved that we, we could do what we were asked to do. Um, but don't forget, it's the whole phase four has been put back to for three weeks. It's yeah. not just pub opening. So like I suppose from that point of view, like that's what they, the easy option from their point of view is just to put back phase four opening, which included a lot of other things. Um, we, we'll talk to government all the time. We'll try our best and we're the cows come home nearly we're talking to them and trying to get through to them that would that the the, the issue that, that we've we brought up here that we're able to handle this and we're and spread out to people around the country and as i said tracks of towns around the country with nowhere for anybody to social yeah, yeah but it's particularly home. rural ireland as you mentioned of course that yeah. has a huge has a huge effect isolation is a huge effect on people who are not getting out to meet their friends every now and again well listen thank you very much Lee, and i appreciate you coming on the air paul moynihan is the incoming president of the Vintners, uh, federation of ireland uh, about the pubs uh, elaine uh, i was going to say it Elena Fitzgerald Kane is the president of the Irish Hotels Federation. Good afternoon to you, Elena. Good afternoon, Niall. How are you? Good, and I got your name right today. It is you Elena. did, you did. Listen, <laughs> it's my mother's fault, but I don't cry myself to sleep every night over it. Elena, I just seen the A at the end of it at the last minute there. <laughs> That's all. Okay, in relation to the hotels, I mean, obviously the, the phase, these phases are going to affect you guys too. I mean, how really detrimental would this be to your business now? Because obviously you had plans from Monday. Those plans will have to change now. Yeah, well, I suppose the first thing, uh, Niall, is, you know, as a society, it's disappointing that we do have to pause, you know, after seeing acceleration. So I think ever before you talk about the whole economic aspect of things, as a society, I share that same disappointment with everybody else that we can't, you know, progress to the level that we want. Obviously, in the context of of hotels... and that, you know, the, the, there is huge disappointment there. But we understand the reasons why it's come to that. Um, I suppose the two key areas where we're affected is insofar as gatherings are now limited to, to 50, 50 yeah. as it would have been in the last three weeks. And, you know, over the course of the last few months, we would have worked on guidelines in terms of training for our teams. Fault Ireland came out with um, their own COVID-19 safety charter to provide additional reassurance and that we've had our first inspection here in our own hotel as well, too. Um, and, you know, 100% compliance is what they found so were you, far. Were you nervous? <laughs> I was nervous. You're always nervous before an it's exam. It's like your leaving cert, isn't it? <laughs> and, you know, it was wonderful for our team because they've put so much into it. I mean, that's the reality. of. And can I also say that guests have been amazing. They've been so patient. And I suppose... 
you know, after four months of trying to socialise ourselves in a particular way, we all know that we have to be compliant and we have a role to play if we want to move forward together. So it's like something we've never had before in that respect. But I suppose for us in the context of gatherings, you know, there are couples who would have planned to go ahead, uh, you know, against the premise of potentially having 100 people at their wedding. With their weddings, the yeah, next yeah. And obviously they have to go back to the drawing board and either reduce so who the So ha- who, who's got the task today of ringing all those people and saying, listen, that wedding you have for 92 people, unfortunately, you're going to have to get rid of, you know, 42 of those guests. I don't even think that's a task for today. That's a task that would have started last night. And that would have been with, you know, couples and hotels and venues reaching out to each other. That interestingly, in the context of our own hotel, you know, a lot of our couples, because they make their decisions so far out, we were not in a situation where we had 100 people. Our weddings were all less than 50 because when the acceleration came, it was probably too late for a lot of people in terms of, you know, moving their dates and shifting them forward between well, large I did, well, I did speak to the Wedding Band Association uh, the day before mm-hmm. yesterday and they had said that a lot of people initially, uh, when COVID-19 happened first, cancelled their weddings that would have been in August, September, October, November to next year. And they said, and then when the, the phases came in, they actually turned around and, and the acceleration, they said, I'll ring the hotel now and I'll put it back again. So they rang the hotels. The hotels were already too pleased, obviously, to bring it back again to get the business back in again, to bring it back to August or September from next year. So some of those people are in a right mess where they've now had to reorganise their wedding for the third time. Correct. And that is the reality of it. It is the third time for some of them. And, you know, I suppose so many couples, there's about 18,000 affected couples across the country and they've been planning for up to three years. I mean, God, you know, the reality is some of us have been thinking about it since we were three, you know. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. So there's a huge build up and it's all the whole family sense of occasion. And if you think of those family type events, they lend themselves very, very easy to contact tracing, you know, in terms of tables. Well, yeah, 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 because you have everybody's details anyway, of course. You don't even need it, yeah. And I mean, a lot of our ballrooms as well are huge. I mean, I know of people who have ballrooms that are 900 square metres. So when you think of 100 people in that, it takes social distancing of two metres to a whole new level altogether in terms of But the only only thing I will say about weddings, and by the way, I I believe no matter what we do in this world, we're going to have to live with this virus and there's always going to be a risk factor, right? The only thing I will say about weddings is it's very difficult to have, you know, your wedding band and your DJ and to have people bouncing around on a dance floor, having a bit of crack with a few pints on them and keep social distance. But they're all family, generally speaking, and friends. So it's probably just make a huge amount of difference. But in saying that, it's a very difficult thing to do. And I don't, I don't think you could police that. Well, I could police inter- it or anybody could. Yeah, interestingly, Niall, we hosted a wedding last Saturday, which I believe may have been the first wedding in the country that was hosted post-COVID. And like that, a couple with initial date, they moved it back. Then they decided that they'd bring the two families together. And that was literally it. And to tell you the God's honest truth, I was anxious and concerned about it. Uh, you know, just would they get the same enjoyment factor? There'd been such a build-up and there'd been such anxiety in the last few months. But it actually went off really, really well. I couldn't get over how well it, it played out. There was a certain cohort of people who left kind of after the meal. It was DJ afterwards, you know, in terms of, you know, the dance floor, how it was laid out. Um, it absolutely was perfect. Now, of course, there's a the concern, how will that be replicated across larger groups? But I, if if the guest behaviour was anything to go by, nothing came in our radar that was a concern. And, and when you're having people like at the top table, do you have to have them sitting two metres apart? 
No, because they're family from the same family. Is that so, okay? Yeah. So within the, the household unit, you're absolutely fine. But they have to. They can sit around and they don't have to be two meters apart. But they must be two meters from the next table. Right. Okay. Um, and so, that, so, so do you get the bride and groom then to organise the tables by exactly, families? Exactly. All right, which okay. is what they would be doing anyway. A, anyway, probably, yeah, from of course. Yeah, 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 yeah. But they're just now more mindful of it in the context of family units. And in the case of the wedding that we hosted, there wasn't like a bridal party or anything like that. Obviously, they changed everything to make it work and I suppose that's what you're seeing that we, we've shown already how flexible we are in terms of moving dates forwards backwards you know and equally the same applies to couples and we just have to continuously try and do that until we find something that's right for the individual couple Alright well listen I hope you get on well and I hope these uh, these uh, extensions to the phase or this pause uh, doesn't do too much damage to the industry because I know it's struggling as it is and I wish you well Elena Fitzgerald Kane I'm present. sure to book your staycation Niall Oh yes my staycation <laughs> <laughs> You never know what, what, give me the, What's the name of the hotel again? Sorry. Fitzgerald Woodlands House Hotel and Spa, 40 acres of granite grounds in the splendour of there, and the sun is shining down here today. Yo, will you get like a massage and a sauna and all that kind of carry on? You absolutely, you can have the massage, certainly the sauna. We're not quite there yet in the context of the guidelines, but lots of other great things to do. All right, listen, thank you very much indeed. You're Elena. welcome, thanks. You're welcome. Bye-bye. All right, okay. Let me go to Liam. Liam, you're on Classic Kids. Liam, you were on yesterday. Um, and basically you were saying if they're not going to let you open you're going to open anyway now a lot of people reacted to that some very positively I could say they were saying fair play to you but others were saying that you were irresponsible well I fully stocked my pub I've staffed uh, promised to come back uh, uh, you know and they're relying, they're relying to get back working and all and then I'm up to me ghoulies and debt as well with everything going on so that's it you, you're opening on Monday now I you don't want to say where it is and that's fair enough alright but you're opening on yeah, I'm opening on Monday, and I'm doing a very simple uh, menu just to keep. Uh, now I've been in, I've been out and about, and I've been in pubs that are hardly selling any food. I've been in pubs with music. I've been in pubs uh, where they're allowing people on top of each other, and allowing people where they're walking around shaking each other's hands and making unnecessary contact. So I'll be strict. People just sit, you know, sit at your table, have a quiet beer. I'm not gonna, you know, we're not gonna railroad you out after an hour and a half. But like, you know. Uh, Where's the logic in, in like an hour and a half? If we're if, like at the end of the day, we're trying, we're all trying to make a few quid. Like, well, well, well it's, whatever it's you think of the logic, and by the way, I might agree with you, but whatever you think of the logic of not being there for one hundred and six minutes or the exposure for that extra few minutes, that that's well, they're set, that's the rules. They're the guidelines, aren't oh, okay, they? Okay, well, but listen to me very carefully. If I turn a table around every hour and a half, instead of on, let's say an average, a quiet little pub, the way things are going, they're not. What they is your pub big, by the way? How many does it hold? Uh, about a hundred seats. Right, okay. Okay, and I, and let's say the way things are going, on a, on a Friday night now, I'd be lucky to have 30 people in it. So I don't, Saturday night is, is the only night, if I was to go back to the the, the, the pre-COVID days, um, Saturday night would be the only night really where I'd be busy. People, there'd be a little bit of risk, I, I suppose. So what, So the majority, 70 or 80% of your turnover is Saturday night? So I'm talking, no, not that it's, no, I, we're going all day, but I'm talking about, like, we would be, We'd be near capacity on a Saturday night for probably two hours, but the rest of the week, I, I, no, pro- I would have no problem uh, enforcing social distancing. Cause so what are you going to do? Is, okay, so you have no problem the rest of the week enforcing social distancing. What happens on Saturday night when it starts getting busy, Liam? It's not going to. It's not going it, to. Listen, it, it's not going to come back. People are nervous. People don't want to sit on top of each other. It's not going to just uh, 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 click your fingers. Oh, well, but to remind people what you're going to do, because you're actually a wet pub and you don't serve food. You're going to, you're, you're buying a load of frozen pizzas. Pizzas. I'm going to put in, loads of folks do them already. I'm, I'm going to be selling pizzas. For uh, nine euro. For but, you, but you're not actually charging the people. You're just ringing it up on the till. 
in case you're in case you're inspectors. You know, I have a few friends in in, in, in the business as well, and, and what they've been doing because the guards are terrorising them. They're walking in, and the guards are terrorising them. You mean the well, guards? You mean the guards are are doing their job and checking well, on? They're, no, they're going in here. Hang on a second. You go into a pub with ten people in it, and they're walking in. It's intimidation, and I know they're being told to do, it and they are doing the job. That's grand. Uh, you know, that's fine. But like, you know, they're going in and wanting to look at the till and making everyone feel uncomfortable. Like, this, it, it, look, looking at the, it, they're at they're at the camp on this uh, stage four. They should have actually shut every pub and restaurant and, and leave everyone with an even playing field. But they didn't. If they're that concerned about it, they should have just sh- sh- shut everything down. Well, 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 well hang on a second, because John, you're on Classic Kids. How you doing, John? Oh, sorry, John. Hold on. I didn't switch you on there. I do apologise to you, John. Sorry, go ahead, John. How are you? Uh, John, uh, you've heard what Liam is doing. Yep. And, and you, are you all for it, or, you, or do you think he's been irresponsible? No, I, I actually think he's been actually right, because, I mean, I, I have an equation on this, and I think, I think the, and it's not the guards, let's just state that uh, before we go any further, the guards are being told to do a job, and they have to adhere to that. So where uh, Lim can't be complaining about the guards going into pubs and terrorising, no such thing. They're going in and, and making sure that they've got their own backs covered by uh, policing it as it's meant to be. Okay. All right. Okay. Right. But but getting on to the thing, I mean, I I have my my own little uh, like I was in Dundrum Centre last week, just the shopping centre that was packed, absolutely packed to the rafters, and so too is Henry Street packed. Now I believe that the whole thing about the pubs and where you can serve food and where you can't serve food means whether you can be open or you can't be open. That's ridiculous. Well, it, well it, I think everybody agrees now at this point yeah, that is ridiculous. ridiculous. And I mean, it should have been just it, all or nothing. Yeah. It should have been, because if you look at it from this point, and this is the way I'm looking at it, you say you have a small area, right, and it has, say, just for example, it's got, um, it's got 50 pubs in, in the area, just for, imagine, and you've got 500 people that want to have a drink, not necessarily food, but you've got 500 people. If you, if you open only 10 pubs, then you'll have 50 people per pub, right, which yeah. is about right. But if you open up, like, the full 50 pubs, you'll only put 10 people into each of them pubs, which makes the social different, uh, distancing... Well, 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 I, well, I think everybody's, even the Fitness Association, agree with that uh, idea, the Fitness Federation, that well, it will dilute the problem. Of course it would, yeah. Dilute it, exactly the word. Yeah, but the, da- yeah, but the danger is, um, see, for yourself, and I don't, are you in the trade, John, yourself? No, I'm not. I, I, I'm an entertainer. I'm an entertainer. So my. Well, what do you mean you're an entertainer? What, what do you do? What do you do for? Well, a I do. I, I'm a DJ and okay. I present karaoke and I have other DJs and presenters that work okay. with me. Okay. Okay. You have a few strings uh, to your bow. All right. Okay. Yeah. Well, so, I have a business. Uh, well, I, I, John, I think I, I know. You, I think I know you actually. Do I? You probably do. I used yeah, to did, live in the Canaries. That's used to live in the Canaries. That's right. I do know you. I knew I knew your voice. Anyway, but I anyway, the point is, John. I mean, they're saying, and maybe Liam, you have an opinion on this too, that it's easy to manage a pub when people are sitting down eating a meal for 105 minutes. Mm -hmm. But when they're not and there's no meal and people have a tendency to kind of walk around or they see their friend coming in, they jump up to shake their hands or Mm -hmm. and they're socialising and drinking rather than eating and drinking, it's harder to manage that. Would you not agree, Liam? It's It's harder to police that. It would be it would be harder to police it, but what, what I'm saying is if they if they if they'd have opened all the pubs, they wouldn't have so many of these people in a particular pub because the the volume would have been distributed, and so then it would make it much easier to police. Because if you've got like a, a pub that has a capacity of 200 and they have 50 people in the pub, that's 50 people they can police. Whereas if it's a smaller pub and they've got 10, maybe 15, okay, okay, 15, yeah, 15, I, I get that, I get the point. But so, Liam, are, are you? Do you know other pub owners? Are you are you familiar with other pub owners? Yes, I know. Are they are they in Dublin? Okay, and are they all closing or some opening against the law? Because it will be technically against the guidelines. 
I don't know where the law stands on this, by the way, um, because these are guidelines. Um, so the law would, where the law would stand is that if you didn't comply with the guidelines, you would be looked at poorly when you're going to obviously get your license. Which obviously, well, I can't, I, I, uh, li- listen. But by, by the time they foot the bill at this, if you think they're going to put like a pub out of business this time next year when they're renewing their license and thirty-five people on the dole, we're going to have to. This is going to be a huge tap to pick up, and it's getting bigger and bigger. Okay, so uh, how many? How many of your friend pub owners are opening on Monday against the guidelines? No, we're not opening against the guidelines. We're we're putting in a, a menu. We're not opening against. I'm I, I'm I'm adhering to the guidelines. I'm going to do pizza. You're going to do pizzas? Yeah. For nine euro? For nine euro, and to be honest... But you're not not charging the nine euro. You're going to ring it up on the till. Well, I'm going to do my best to try and uh, get people... I'm going to have to... I'm going to have to keep the till looking right if the the guards walk in. So the extra till, there's going to be a sale of nine euro. I'm not even going to pick up dirty plates off tables. To make, well, that's an old kind of school thing to do, isn't it? Leave the dirty plate on the table yeah, to make it look like they've been eaten. If they walk in, they're going to look like they're having a... I don't encourage you to break the law, or, well, break the guidelines, should I say, but I know I can understand how a lot of... Uh, some uh, pub owners are left with a bad taste in their mouth today because they were all planning to open it. Very disappointing for many of them. Senator Malcolmburg, good afternoon to you. Good afternoon, Niall. Uh, it does seem like a bit of a farcical idea and decision when we told them they could open. We even brought the phases forward. They're all preparing to open. They got their rosters ready, their staff ready, their orders in. And now they're told, sorry, lads, four more weeks. Yeah. Well, I, I think the important thing to remember, Niall, is that we, we, we still all have a responsibility uh, to deal with COVID-19. Uh, and there is a personal responsibility on all of us, uh, you know, wash our hands, mm-hmm. be responsible mm-hmm. in terms of, of how we interact. My, my difficulty, I think, is that uh, what we will see because of the decision over the next week or two is you can still see the large gastropubs open if they're serving food. Um, you'll probably see slabs of beer being sold in supermarkets. They're getting busier. I spoke to somebody who owns one the other night and he said he's slowly seeing business getting busier and busier. People yeah. are getting more confidence in going out. Yeah, yeah. and so, so you've the, 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 the slabs of beer, yet yeah, the small, and it's not just in rural areas, but in communities, the family-run, traditional family-run pub, uh, they're all expecting to open a money they're going to be closed and, no, and only one in rural Ireland only one in three that were open roughly 35% across the whole country including Dublin which brings the average uh, up so uh, that's, that's, a, that's a really low amount of pubs open yeah and it, it, it doesn't make sense because it's effectively saying to you know a lot of those pubs look well if you put on nine euro soup and sandwich uh, you know, you will be able uh, to open. So it's the lack of consistency here. Now, well, I don't know. I, I don't know if you heard the caller before. Uh, you come on before the break. There, he owns a pub, and uh, he was supposed to open on Monday. Now, obviously, very disappointed. So he's bought himself a pizza grill, and he's going to serve nine euro pizzas. But he's not actually going to charge nine euro. He's just going to ring it up in his till in case he's inspe- inspected. Because yeah, he said he can't uh, stay closed uh, for another four weeks. Yeah, I, I mean, this is where you know it's going to be anomalous. There are going to be people who are going to be introducing you know bizarre things to try to get around the rules. Now, don't get me wrong, Niall. Um, those, you know, rogue pubs, and there are a few that are out there that, that, that break the rules, they deserve to be punished. Uh, you know, if they're only in it for a quick book and they don't care about public health, then, you know... when it's not really... Okay. But, but Mar- Malcolm, it's not really a quick book. It's their livelihood. Oh, well, no, no, no. I mean, yeah, their staff's jobs, you know what I mean? Uh, you're, not, you're not listening to me. I'm talking about the rogue pubs. I'm talking about the ones who are making it bad for everybody else. I- I'm supporting the ones who are interested in public health in their community, but at the same time, they obviously want to be able to open. The problem has been, as you know, that there are a small number of pubs who are clearly breaching uh, the rules. And my view is, look, if somebody is flagrantly breaching the rules, what should happen then is if an inspection uh, and they're flagrantly breaching, they could be closed. But questions could be brought to bear when they go for their license renewal. 
And I think most publicans would support that. But we've got to but do a lot, that. Malcolm, a lot of them are breaking the rules because I've spoken to many people. I don't drink myself, so I don't go to pubs, but I've been to one or two restaurants. I've spoken to many people um, who've been in pubs over the last two or three weeks and they haven't been asked to leave after 105 minutes. Well, well, well that should be enforced um, because it's completely unfair on you know the, the responsible pubs that are out there. Look, the rules are there. They're in, in all of our, our interests. I mean, what I am not, you know, I mean, somebody would argue that the guy there. that I had on the air beforehand is not actually breaking the rules. He's adapting his pub to the rules. He's, a, he's adapting his pub to the rules, but he still has to follow rules around social distancing. Absolutely. Ensuring that, cust- ensuring that customers, you know, don't, because the longer you spend in the pub, the more likely it is. Ensuring that the surfaces are clean. So in other words, for those, for those premises that are open, uh, there are very clear guidelines in place. They have to be, and regulations, they have to be followed. They have to be inspected. And if publicans don't follow those, action needs to be taken. However, what we now have is we have a, a, a bizarre situation whereby if, you know, and it, it's of larger pubs that are effectively trying to operate as, as restaurants in inverted commas, uh, the supermarkets can sell slabs of beer, which will go to house parties. But where you have the chance in the smaller family-owned pubs, uh, where the owner will be able to say, come on, lads, mm-hmm. out you go. Uh, you know, that's not, that's not going to happen. But Malcolm, there's very, well, if I can just ask you, there's very little joined up thinking in the decision that Micheál Martin has made in relation to this because the majority of counties in Ireland have little or no new cases whatsoever. Um, and there's been a few small clusters. We've had an increase of 59 cases based on uh, the end of last week, um, which is an increase of 59 people. And they, base, they, they believe a lot of them are actually clusters in care homes, right? Yeah. Uh, and there has been a, sm- a slight increase in young people, which is logical because people are going back out. Uh, Leo Varadkar himself said when the last phase came along, that when the next phase comes along, we expect to see a slight increase because people are meeting each other, they're getting out and about. Of course, there is no scientific data or scientific reason for them making this decision. So why are they making it? Well, it's it's based on the guidance from the National Public Health Emergency Team. Who who have been wrong on many occasions, by the way. Well, well, look, in terms of them, they have been been correct on many occasions. Well, their predictions have been been off-skew on many occasions. Your point is, your point is, but look, I I suppose in, in... in any of these circumstances when you're dealing with public health, uh, you've got to hope for the best but prepare for the worst. Yeah, but we base um, public health decisions on actual and, risk and scientific data. Yeah, and There's so no data to support doing, this. And what we can look at doing, uh, well, well, actually there is data to support this because the R rate, which you'd be aware of... Which They're predicting the, the R dot. They predicted. They said uh, no, last no, no, night no, no, they're predicting no, no. it. Yeah, but there there is evidence that uh, the R rate is on is on the increase. You've got to remember as well. Look, we're dealing with something, and in fairness to our public health officials, they're dealing with something that you know we've not dealt with previously. Uh, so you know, there, there, there's not the certainty that 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 you can sometimes expect. Uh, the point I think that 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 is here is, and look, and I I, th- I think it makes sense to even look at potentially closing down specific areas. You would have seen in the UK what was done with Leicester when there was a major outbreak, that if we found in a particular area of Dublin or a particular area of the country there was uh, a cell of an outbreak, then we look at imposing restrictions there. I come from County Wexford. Okay, can I... Well, well, Malcolm, I'm I'm, I'm rushing time. Okay, let me just point something out to you, okay? We have been told all along that this virus is probably here for a long time, until a vaccine comes along, which may never happen, which may never happen, right? Uh, There's many viruses out there we've never had a vaccine for, right? So this could be, by some experts, it could be with us for 30 years. Swine flu has been around since the 1970s. Sure, the influenza, which is obviously a virus as well, has been around for the last 100 years. I mean, realistically, we might have to live with this. We were told to flatten the curve. We've flattened the curve. We've actually crushed the curve. 
And we have to get back to life in some way. We can't every time there's a, a few cases here or sporadically there, we can't keep destroying the economy and people's lives every time that happens. Well, this is, I suppose, it's 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 slightly different uh, to the flu, and I think in terms. I didn't. Of I, 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 see now what you're doing well, is sorry, taking me. No, you're taking well, me out of context, Malcolm, and you're doing no, it on no, purpose. But you're, 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 I'm talking. You're I, I mentioned to, other viruses. I'm saying yeah. the point I was making is it could be with us for a long time. I didn't compare it to the flu. Yeah. Don't try and well, take me out of context. Uh, well, well, don't try to, to to drag me down a rabbit hole. With I'm you not dragging you down any rabbit hole. All I'm saying is, at some point, do we have to get to a stage where we're saying we're living with a virus and we have to adapt our lives around that, but let's not put people out of their jobs and destroy the economy as we go along. Yeah, and it's, it's about getting that balance right. And this is the point that I've been making, is about how are we going to be able to continue to live alongside uh, this virus? Um, yes, uh, I, look, I'm optimistic uh, that there will be a vaccine found. It's part of the reason why we need to invest uh, in science and research and why we do need to trust experts uh, and not, you know, crackpots who come up with, with all sorts of scientific theories uh, with with no basis. Uh, so what, what crackpots would they? What crackpots would they be? Well, I, people I, I, who have I, a different opinion to the scientists that we recently listened to on RTE is that the, are they the uh, crackpots? Uh, yeah, but if if they're coming from a scientific base, that's not a problem. Um, it's it's people who and, and you'd be aware right, of, of people who claim that. Oh, there's not yes, nutcases out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah so, okay. But 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 my point is, you know, we work on the basis of the scientific advice that's there. We manage this. Yes, there are other considerations that are there. What we don't want to see. Uh, is, you know, the kind of runaway situation that we're seeing in the United States. So we have to look at, you know, how we can slowly reopen while managing this. The key has been, you know, not to allow our hospitals to be overrun, because if our hospitals get overrun, you know, then we're not... But we're, not, we're, not we're not anywhere close to that. We're not, but the problem will be if the R rate goes up, that's where we could end up. But it was mentioned last night, the reason that they believed the prediction that the R rate was going up was because some of the clusters were in family homes. Yeah, and it is. That's, and that's, that's, that's be, smoke yeah, and mirror and stuff, is, isn't it? You're not, you're not, well... I mean, well, it kind of is. I mean, if somebody in a house gets it, most likely their sister, their brother, mother, and father get it. This is part of my point around, you know, why we need to have a right balance, that it needs to be, you know, the rules need to be applied fairly. Uh, and my point is that, look, the small family-run pub uh, can just as effectively manage, and particularly if they know if they break the rules that they're licensed under threat, they will effectively manage, uh, okay. you know, well, the opening. They will manage, uh, they will manage ensuring that the place is kept clean. Um, you know, I have absolutely no doubt uh, that, that, uh, that they're going to do that. And particularly when they know, and remember this is, if a publican knows that they could lose their license if they don't, uh, adhere to the guidelines. They will ensure that the guidelines uh, are enforced. Okay, well, listen, I have to wrap it up. I have to go to a break. But listen, thank you very much, and I appreciate you coming on the air. And one thing we do agree on, I do believe that rural Ireland is going to be badly affected by this decision. Des, you're on Classic Kids. How are you doing, Des? Hello, Niall. How are you? Good. Niall, I think we're really all missing the point here. And I've listened to this show intensely there this morning. And we all know, and I think we all agree, this is a killer virus. Would you agree with that? Well, it's an, certainly an ageist virus that's killer, that's a killer virus, yeah. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's a virus that hasn't been seen in the world before. I wouldn't agree with that, no. There's been, uh, a, lot, there's been a lot more dangerous viruses than this one, but go on. Okay, but in regards to this uh, coronavirus, it has never been seen in the world before. We don't know much about it. We don't know... Well, we do. We know a lot about it now. It's been around for six months. And we know it's probably had more scientific analysis than any other virus we've ever had. So that, yeah. that, that would be untrue. We know a lot about it. But it's a very dangerous virus. Well, for people who are very vulnerable, yes. And 
even in regards to people who are very vulnerable, there has been a lot of deaths of people who weren't very vulnerable. There hasn't so been. been. There hasn't actually been deaths. No, but there has been deaths of people who have been healthy. Yes, how, many, how, many, how many people under healthy people, healthy people, right, with no underlying illnesses who weren't going to possibly die anyway, all right? And I don't mean that in a disrespectful way. Under the age of 65, how many people in this country do you think died from coronavirus? We don't know the statistics of that. Eight. How many? Eight. I, but in the world? I'm talking about Ireland. Let's stick to Ireland for the oh, moment. Okay. Eight. Well, well, I know... Under the, under the age of 65 who had no underlying illnesses. Okay. Yeah. Well, well, I... Okay. I so so the, point, the, the, point, the point I'm making to you is, I'm not disagreeing with you that it is dangerous. I'm not disagreeing with you that some people do die from it. But let's be very clear, because I don't want to scare the living Jesus out of people. The vast majority of people don't even get very sick. And the vast majority of those who do get sick don't die of it. Right. Okay. Well, okay. Now, the, now we did put in a lockdown in place. The government put in okay. a lockdown yeah. in place, and they've done a very good job of it, I think. Okay. And I think in America, where they didn't put a lockdown in place, we've seen how rapid this virus spread, and we've seen how rapid and how many people died in America. Now I know the population in America. Well, actually, yeah. In, in with the exception of three states, more people died in Ireland. But go on. Yes. Right. Now. And the fact of the matter is that in America, we've seen, without a lockdown, the way this virus uh, spreads and the way it works. So we had a very stringent lockdown in place now. Okay, so, now, okay, so getting, getting to the pubs, because I, 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 yeah, we're going, going over old that, ground here, and I don't want to be disrespectful because I'm short of time. Do you believe they should stay closed? Yes, yeah, I do believe they should stay closed. And I believe the government is making the right decision. It's not about the jobs. It's about protecting people who enjoy socialising in the pubs and protecting the staff as well from this but virus. But, but they, when you say it's not about jobs, and I, I completely agree with you, lives are more important than jobs, right? In, in every situation, right? But in saying that, jobs are equally important because without jobs, without economy, we have no money for health service and we have people that will die from despair. I, I understand that, Noel. And, and to be honest, I am all for jobs and all for people working and everything else and the economy. And we need to prop up the economy because it's been very hard at the moment Yes. But when you look at it, it is much harder to keep the guidelines in place in a pub. Okay, well, do me a favour. Stay there because I just want to, I have only one minute left. And I need to get Brian in as well. Brian, you're on Classic Hits. You, you heard what Des said about Brian. Basically, lives are more important than jobs in that respect or getting pubs open. Well, <clears throat> firstly, Niall, that's uh, you know, a rational comment. Obviously, everybody knows that lives are more important than jobs. That's, that's a given. That's a given. But we're seven months into this now, uh, and I just, I just cannot believe what's going on. In fact, as I said to your researcher, you are the only individual I have heard in the entire Irish media establishment prepared to ask sensible questions. Nobody else. It's everybody is singing from the one hymn sheet. And if this virus is so deadly, as they say, as they say would they, what, sorry, what's that chap's name that's on the line? Um, Des, Des. Des. Um, how many people does Des now die from this? Because I don't know any. I personally don't know any. I'm not saying there isn't. Okay, Brian, well, we, we're not going to deny well, that 1,700 people are dead now. I have to clarify that by saying that the government, by their own admission, said many of those didn't die of the virus. They just absolutely. happened to have it. Okay. Absolutely. Sorry. Des, do you know anybody who died of COVID-19? Well, I tell you what, I went to Coe Park to be tested for it, and I ended up in the Matter Hospital in St. Bernard's Infectious Disease, um, right. what I did for a week. So and, did, I, and did you have it? 
I, I, it turned out, it, it came back uh, positive, negative, and, but they told me when I was there that I did have it. And, and I tell you now, it, it was unbelievable. It was the most sickening experience I had in my life. And so I, did you I, actually have COVID-19? But the, the doctor told me, he said, we, we, it came back negative, but we think it's a positive negative. I've never heard of anything that's so ridiculous in my life. So the, the, the test came back negative, but the doctor says we think you have it anyway. Sometimes, yeah, they come back a positive negative. Right, okay. You might, but would it be possible that you might have just had the flu? It, it, it could be possible that's like when we put down on death certs that we suspect somebody had COVID-19 I've yeah, never heard that so ridiculous in all my life sorry but yeah, I was in that ward I was and, and I seen other people that did have it and I seen other people that didn't make it do you know and, many people were that presented themselves in A&E I think in, it was either 2016 2017 so don't correct me if I'm wrong um and I'm not comparing it with the flu because it is a very different virus. But you know, many people presented themselves in A and E in Ireland uh, with the flu uh, in 2017 in the flu season. Oh, I'd say thousands. Twenty-five thousand. Yeah, yeah. Do you know how many people die every year of the flu? And I, again, I'm not comparing it with the flu. I'm just trying to uh, put things into context for us. Yeah, I, I would say six hundred thousand in the in the world every year. So I, I, all I'm saying is, I'm not denying for one minute, I'm not some sort of denier or hoax person or saying that this doesn't exist. Of course it exists. And sadly, many people have died from it. And we need to yeah. all be very careful and we need to be very conscious of that. But we also got to put things into perspective. And that's the point that Brian is making to you. Put of course. But no, you must remember, it's much harder to keep these guidelines in place in pubs than it is in restaurants. It's easier to keep the guidelines in place in restaurants because people are seated and you can keep the distance in the restaurant. But in okay. a pub, it is extremely difficult. It's virtually impossible. Okay, but listen, I've run out of time, lads. Brian, I'm sorry I didn't give you longer, but I'm sure we'll get you back on the air again someday. And I do apologise because I have to go into the news. Real people. Real opinions. Real talk radio. The multi-award-winning Niall Boylan Show. Classic hits.